the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a minute before 3 o'clock. Wednesday afternoon on Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. Good afternoon. I'm Bob Lapine. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. Hope today is uh, is a good day for you. And I hope you'll join us uh, here in the first hour. It's going to be just us. And I've, I've got something I would love to know. How you think about this, how you process this, what you do with this. Um, I I had this happen to me last week. Ran into Walgreens to pick up something. I was coming out, getting into my car, and I hear a voice say, "Uh, excuse me, sir, excuse me. Turn around, don't know the fellow who's coming up to me. uh, But he just says, I'm just wondering, can you spare a dollar to help me get something to eat? Um, what do you do? I mean, what do you do in that situation? Do you say, sorry, can't help? Do you reach for your wallet? Do you give a dollar? What if he says, I need five? Do you give five? How do you process that? I pull up to stoplights these days and there are people there with signs that say hungry, need help, homeless, God bless. In some situations, it's a little more aggressive. People who are coming with uh, a window washer and uh, and wanting to wash your window and expecting payment for that. Now, I've seen people who will, the, in the summertime, they'll get a, a cooler full of bottled water and, and be selling water on the street corner for whatever donation you can give them. How do you, how do you process that? Do you reach for your wallet? Do you do it sometimes, every time? Do you pray? Do you, I, I'm just all of us face this. I think all of us are aware of the passage in Matthew 25 that says, you know, the sheep and the goats. Jesus puts the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left hand. The sheep say why are we on your right hand? He says, because when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you saw me thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. And they say, well, when did we do that? And he said, well, you did it for the least of these. You look at a passage like that and you would think, this is a, this is a high priority for Jesus. That if we see people in need, we have a responsibility to respond in that moment to that need. But then there's also the issue of stewardship, right? I mean, we've been entrusted with time, money, resources. We're to be good stewards of that. And so the question of people in need I don't know anything about this person's need other than what they're telling me. From appearance, I could say it would appear they have a need, 
are they homeless? Is this a, uh, is is this just become better than, is, is this a more lucrative way to spend an hour than to get a $15 an hour job somewhere? Uh, the, the fellow who came up to me um, knew how many of us think when we're approached by somebody like this. He said, I'm not going to spend this on, on, on alcohol. I don't drink. So he, he's aware that in the back of our mind, we think, are we supporting somebody who's an alcoholic or a drug user or, and should that factor in? And then during the Christmas season in particular, it seems like uh, there's an increase in the number of people who are asking us for money. What, 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 what does Jesus want us to do? What do you do in those moments? When you pull up to the intersection, somebody's there with the sign. Do you look the other way? Do you look them in the eye? Do you shake your head? Do you nod your head? Do you give them money? Do you just stare straight ahead? What do you do? And why do you do what you do? I I thought we ought to have the conversation and just kind of take a listener poll. How many of you, um, at least some of the time, I'll say, um, I, I don't know what the number would be, one in 10 times you reach for your wallet and you do something. And if so, why do you do it that one time? How many of you would say, I, I never do it? How many of you would say, I try to do something, or there's an alternative method you use as opposed to giving cash? I I know people who uh, will sometimes carry around in their wallet a a ticket for a free lunch at a shelter, and somebody's looking for something. They roll down the window, and they hand them this and say, you can get a meal here. You can get a bed here. I'd I'd just love to know what you're doing and how you handle this. 888-52-TALKS is the number as we talk about this. 888-528-2557. If you can join us this afternoon, you can also email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. But I'm, I'm curious what listeners throughout Southern California do in these situations. 888-52-TALKS is the number. I read a book years ago, very helpful book that the question was, or the title of the book was when helping hurts. And this book laid out uh, some, some strategy, some biblical thinking on the subject of how we respond to people in need or people in poverty. Uh, again, the title of the book is When Helping Hurts. It's a book I'd recommend to you as, as you wrestle through these kinds of things. But uh, the authors of the book said there are really, th- you have to classify needs in one of three different uh, categories. The first is is urgent relief. When somebody needs relief, the people in Kentucky right now who don't have electrical power, don't have food, don't have a home to go to at night. We would look at that and say, there's a real need. These people need emergency relief. And the authors of the book, When Helping Hurts, say in those situations, we step, we, we ought to step in and 
and aggressively uh, seek to help. But they said there's another kind of need, and that is a need for rehabilitation. Here's a part of what they're thinking. They're saying there are some people who have made, um, they have found that, that this way of life, going out on a street corner with a sign, is, is the new normal for them. And when you reach in your wallet and you hand them money, you are, um, you're reinforcing for them that this is a, this is a good process. You're not helping them get out of their dysfunction or get out of it. You're not providing, they need, they need job training. They need to know how they can get off the street rather than stay on the street. And you may be facilitating them staying on the street. You're enabling. And then the third, so relief, rehabilitation, the third area is development. And this is where you can come in and work for long-term development in a third world country and in helping uh, a farmer learn how to uh, better utilize his land, his property. They said, as you think about this, here's what you've got to realize. Sometimes what you think is help is actually hurting somebody. And it gave me a good framework, a good matrix to think about this. But I want to talk to you this afternoon. So we're going to open the lines early this, this hour and take your calls the number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. If you'd like to join us, Carrie in Winnetka is uh, on the line with us. Carrie, welcome to Southern California Live. Let's see if I can correct this. Um, the first name's Carrie. It's T as in Thomas, which I Ah, got it. Yes, Terry, I not Carrie. your helper. <laughs> but... Uh, Things can get confused sometimes. That's telephone. That's how that works. All right, Terry, thank you for calling. I remember that game. <laughs> what, well, what do you do? What do you do when you see somebody on the street or at a stoplight? How do you handle that? I can only tell you about one instance. Um, I am totally blind, so I generally have good ways of ignoring people who ask me for money. But a couple of weeks ago, this gentleman asked me for a dollar. And I'm thinking, what's he going to do with a dollar? Yeah. So I said, what are you going to do with the dollar? And he said, well, I want to buy food for my kids. And I said, good. What do you see right around here where you can get some food for your kids? He named something, and I said, that's too far away. How about Panera, which was two doors down? Right. And and he said, okay. So we, we went in there. And I stood and I, while he ordered, and at the end of his order, I paid for the takeout meal. Hmm. That's all I know about him. And he, he left with, with the food. And I went back to stand and wait for my ride in front of where I had made the luxury purchase of uh, some C's candy for me. <laughs> so, you know, I couldn't get away with saying, oh, I, gee, I don't have a dollar. Right. But I'm I'm not going to support an an alcohol habit like my dad's, huh. and I'm not going to support somebody's um, drug habit, uh, like for example the the mother of two children I was well acquainted with, who uh, ran off with her boyfriend. She was a meth addict, and uh, she positioned the two kids uh, with signs, begging signs. Mm. Uh, on the street, and that's where their father found them oh. before they 
dropped the signs and ran to their dad. Wow. So I I have personal experience with both of those, and I I wasn't going to um, encourage that. So I've had a similar situation, um, and and I'll I'll just bring this up. I uh, my son came home one day. He was fourteen years old. Mm-hmm. He had he'd ridden his bike up to the Kmart, and he dry, he comes in the back door, and he says, uh, "Dad, there's a guy at the Kmart." who says he doesn't have a place to stay tonight. And my son looks at him and says, can we do something for him? Looks at me and says that. And I'm thinking this is a defining moment in the life of my son and what I do. I said, come on, let's get in the car. And we drove over and I said, uh, what, where are you staying? And he said, I, I don't know. I said, are you familiar with, I, I talked about a shelter in town. Uh, no, I said, let me get you the information about that. I said, but let me take you over here. And let's let's buy you dinner. So we walked in, and I said to the person, the, to the cashier, I said, "Here's ten dollars. He can he can order whatever he wants for his ten dollars and uh, and get a meal." I gave him information about how he could get to the shelter, how they'd come pick him up, and and we left. in In that situation, trying to do the same thing you're talking about here, which is say, I don't I don't know all of the dynamics, but. I can point you to where you can get the help you need if this is a if this is an emergency relief situation. What I don't want to do is have this become a new way of life for you, and and I want to help break that cycle. And Terry, I think that's a, I think that's a, a I, I think you modeled something well for us, and I think you've given us good cautions. Let, let me go to uh, Alchemy, who's on the line in Cerritos. Alchemy, thank you for calling Southern California Live this afternoon. Well, uh, Wilford, can we can we punch up Alchemy and and get her on? Thank you for uh, for joining us this afternoon. We got you now. Alchemy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Got it. I didn't oh, know if it was okay. a him or a her. Nice to nice to have you on this afternoon. Okay, uh, I'm the same individual you told me to hold on because I want to uh, give a quick testimony that ties into your uh, uh, ties into what you're talking about. Yeah, tell me. I was burdened down concerning my granddaughter, and now I'm driving down the street. When I get to the light, white turn red, and the guy walks out in the middle of the street. The crosswalk holding a sign saying, "You know, asking money for food." So I reached in my pocket, pulled out two dollars. I rolled my window down, and I never had this happen before. So I know it was God. So he walked up to the car, and I handed him the money. As soon as I handed him the money, he looked at me, and he said, I can't take your money. You have a real good heart. And he was still holding on to the money. And then he got to speaking, thus said the Lord. And then he said, God got a place waiting on you in his kingdom. And he handed me my money back. So huh. I pulled off that button, but lifted off me, and God let me know, don't worry about what a person thinks, I feel about you, or what they say, because I know you have a good heart. I pulled off with that attitude. And I mentioned it to my daughter, my daughter said, you know, that wasn't a homeless person, that was an angel. She said, because a homeless person wouldn't have gave you your money back. Would, wouldn't give you the money back, that's right. If to a homeless person, they would give you your money back. So do you do that? Do you do that every time you see somebody who's got a sign? Do you reach for $2? Uh, uh, most of the time, yes, I do. I, most of the time, I do. Because I don't. my attitude is, what if that's an angel? Or what if hmm. that person really in need? Hmm. So I don't judge them. Got it. So 99% of the time, I reach in my pocket and give them something. 
All right. I don't All right. It. I, I appreciate your testimony and appreciate your word on that. Elkami, thank you for calling in. Vicki in Studio City, thanks for uh, for joining us this afternoon. Have you had experience with this as well? Hello? Hi, Vicki. You there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Hi. Um, yes, every now and then, uh, more times than not, um, there's someone out uh, outside a store when I go in, and they are asking for money. Uh, I don't normally carry money. I, I, I'm a little bit of a germ freak. I should say yeah. a lot. Yeah. I don't like I don't like to touch money. <laughs> so um, I don't filthy. I don't it's filthy it. lucre, right? It's filthy it, lucre. It's got germs it, all over it. <laughs> it it really is, and I am just like the germ freak of the year. But anyway, um, so it, we are supposed to be good stewards of our money, and we also are supposed to have discernment. I don't want to judge somebody. I don't make an assumption that everybody who's on the street or most people who are on the street are just on there because they choose to be. I don't think people grow up and say, I want to be homeless. Yeah. Now, now that's, not, that's not to say that there are some people on the street and they're just on the street and they're just, they're just there and they're not willing to get off the street. But mm. I'm not going to just make an assumption that you're on the street because that's something you want to do. Yeah. So if you are hungry, and especially if I don't have the money physically, I will I will say do you want something to eat? I will buy you something to eat. I do not have any money. And then and what drive the drive part, through the drive through at the fast food and bring them back some food? I will walk if I'm going into a store, I will say what would you like? They say anything. I say, Got it. Okay, I'll go buy you some some a sandwich. And the funny thing is is if I buy you something, you're going to get more out of me than if I had a 50 cents or a dollar on. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I, I so, have a friend who uh, will carry in his car um, a couple of boxes of granola bars. And, you know, if he sees somebody on the street who says hungry, homeless, he'll roll down the window and say, here, here's some granola bars, just as a way to say, maybe this will help. And and uh, I can carry those in the car and they're not perishable. I told him the problem is I'd probably eat the granola bars more often than I should. So I, I don't know that I can do that, but, but it's a creative way to try to address that. And I, I think what, what I hear you saying is the same thing I heard an earlier calls caller say, not going to do money, but I'll do food. I'll try and meet the need directly. So Vicki, I appreciate the call. Thank you for, uh, for joining us. Kevin is in Ventura. Uh, Kevin, thanks for calling in this afternoon on Southern California live. Well, how do you handle it when you see somebody who, has got the sign or is standing there. Kevin, you there? Are you talking to me? Oh, I am. Go ahead. Yeah. What I do, what I do is I go deeper with the person. I find that you can change lives if you don't just meet the need, but you go deeper. So I will take the person aside and I'll converse with them. I'll find out why they are where they are. I can, can't tell you how many times I've changed people's lives, restored them to their families. So I'll take them to a coffee shop. I'll take them to a restaurant. I'll sit down and I'll talk to them and say, why are you here? What happened? What do you want to do? Because I know what I want is for them to be saved. I want them to be restored. And I've restored people to their parents who had, you know, turned them away because of drug abuse. It's going to take going a lot deeper than just throwing a buck or or two at them or buying them a burger. So it doesn't always work. But I can tell you where there's been the person in front of Target. I mean, I can remember the gal 
and I watch her sitting there. She, you know, you might have said she was this or that. And I take her, I wave her over to my car, and I spend 15, 20 minutes with her. And then she tells me her story, and then I invite her and her boyfriend, who were involved in all kinds of bad stuff. I invite them over to the coffee shop. If you want to change your life, why don't you come with me? And they do. And then we sit down and we eat, and then I find he needs a job and she needs to get off drugs. And so now I find him a job. And, you know, <laughs> that young man was restored to his dad for a year and a half, kicked the girl to the curb. She was the drug addict. And then other times I've brought people into, you know, I'll go and see them in front of a 7-Eleven. They want, they want food. And then I say, well, listen, look, at, let's talk about your problem. A guy named Jim in front of a 7-Eleven in Silmar. And, uh, you know, I pray for that guy. And that guy had been on the streets for 10 years and was just full of scabies and just, <laughs> oh, hair all matted and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that guy, when I prayed for him, I put him up in a hotel room that night. We just saw him the next day, brought him clothes, brought him Bibles, sat down with him, and that guy was totally restored, took him Saturday to a Calvary Chapel I was going to, to a men's group meeting, that Saturday, and uh, nobody could believe that that was a homeless guy of 10 years. And then we found out who his uh, family was, and I found out his son, he hadn't seen him in 10 years in Orange County. And uh, we, look, we, we look up and find his son's number. I call his son. His son was shocked, and his son who was a believer, went to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, huh. and the family was restored. I've seen this again and again. It ain't wow. about a steward. A steward is what is how you invest your money like in business. This is giving. You know, this is generous giving. This, there's no restraints on that. There's no, and if you're going to try to judge a person based upon what they do, I hope that I don't get judged by God yeah. and his grace and blessings in my life like I would want to qualify helping somebody else. So I'm just saying, the most rewarding thing in your life, I'm a regular guy, I got a family, I got three kids, I got a business, got a job, got every other reason, I'm in a hurry, just like you are, everybody is, it's, it's happening on the way into a store. Now look, at I've had other guys where I've wanted, and gals where I've wanted to help them, and Boy, I put them up and get them, find a motorhome. Somebody gave me a motorhome so I could make, have, let this person live in it. I got stuff to try to get them into the business of auto detailing, and it worked for like a month. And the guy went south, and you know it was all phony, and he did. That's going to happen too. Let me tell you. But but just like sharing the gospel, that's going to happen too. Some are going right. to say yes, I do, and they're going to give their life to the Lord, and then they're going to have a life of just bliss. And other ones are going to say, yeah, I do. And then they're going to just walk away three months later. But so I, I'm just curious here, Kevin, and, and we've got to take a break real quick. But how, I mean, you obviously have to, there have to be times when you look and go, I wish I could stop. I can't. There are other times when when the margin is there and you can step into it. So you just kind of prayerfully say, Lord, is this one that I engage with or not? How do you do that? You know, my prayer, my prayer happens every day when I've got time, you know, in my normal prayer time. I don't have to, like, pray for this specific thing. Because, like you said, this is our calling. I mean, it's like, do I, I don't have to pray to, like, worship. I don't have to decide every day, well, I don't really have time to worship, but I'm going to worship. No, I know this is what we're supposed to be doing. So that was determined in my heart, like, you know, 30 years ago when I became a believer. Mm. But, like, I'll pull over to gas station even when it's not convenient. 
gas station. I mean, I could just name a, a guy pulled over on the side of the road. I'll see a person walking, and they're homeless. I saw a guy the other day he was picking up plastic bottles, and he was crushing them. That guy was a little more functional. I yeah. thought that was cool that he was actually working as a homeless person and turning his money. So you pull over, you get out of your car, you go talk to him. You'll encounter him. It's no different. You do it to everyone you can see in the same way you do it to every person that's functional that needs to know about the Lord. You should be engaging that person, too, and telling them about Jesus Christ, the, the functional person. But So with the same, with the same uh, amount of times when you're too busy, yeah, I'm, I'm driving right now, and I, I see a person in a car next to me. I can't pull them over and talk to them about the Lord right. because I am busy. But... But when, with homeless people, you can do it. Just want to do it. Yeah, and, Kevin, thank but you. But I would say... Hey, yeah. Hang on, I got, we, we got to we got to take time for a break. I appreciate your call this afternoon. We're taking your calls just to find out what you do when you see the guy on the street with the sign, the woman, the family. How do you handle that? Eight 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 fifty two talks is the number. Got to take a quick time out. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. We'll be right back. Three twenty nine on a uh, Wednesday afternoon, Southern California live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine, KPRZ. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. We, we're we're talking this afternoon about what we do when we see people with signs on the sidewalk, on the side, on the roadway, saying homeless, hungry, need help. Do you give money? Do you do you offer help? Do you just pass by? Do you pray for them? Francisco's been hanging on the line for a while. Francisco, thanks for calling in from Pasadena this afternoon. Nice to have you on Southern California Live. Hi, is this Bob? Yeah, it is. Go ahead. Hi, hi, Bob. It's Francisco. Yeah, good to um, have you. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, thank you so much. Um, I wanted to say that you know what I do is when I'm driving around, I carry actually change with me. Um, sometimes I have blankets in the car. Um, if, if I need to circle back around, I, I have. Um, I'll get a subway gift card, but. Here's what I believe, Bob. I, I, I don't believe we're called to really, uh, um, how would I say, analyze and say, okay, now is this person going to use this for drugs? Are they going to use it for alcohol? Are they going to use it for this? I truly believe the Scripture calls us to give, hmm. and that, that should be our first instinct is to give, regardless of what we might think. Because I have my own biases. I'll tell you, Bob, sometimes I'll, I'll pull up and I'll see a young guy. I'm like, no, he can work. I'm not giving him money. But I'll see, like, let's see an older guy or family, an older lady. And I, I, but I carry change with me. What I do is, like, let's say I buy a burger or something, and it's $1.75. I'll, I'll keep the change with me, but I carry that with me. And I'm, I know that's not safe for everybody to roll down the window and give out change, but, but I do have blankets with me, and I'll, you know, I'll give out that change. But that, that's what I feel we're called to. I feel that, you know, when Jesus said, you know, give away your belongings, you know, to the rich man, you, you know, give away your belongings and follow him. He never said, go find the, the, the poor people that, that are going to benefit from this and then give them your belongings and then come and follow him. He really just says, give them away to the poor. So anyway, that's, con- that's what are I you, do. Are you concerned at all in that situation that you're perpetuating a cycle where somebody goes, oh, this works, I'll be back here tomorrow, and it becomes their new normal? I've thought about that in the past, and I, I actually work with the homeless. I work for a, an organization that provides services to the homeless. Yeah. And I do know that it, it only takes, it only takes. I think it's like two days on the streets for, for their mentality to become very different 
to, to change the, 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 the way their thought patterns, everything, you know, the trauma that they go through. That, that's what we've experienced with participants in our program. And so when, when, I, when I do that, I, I know that I'm dealing with somebody that already has, they're already behind the eight ball. So for me, Bob, whether they come back out there tomorrow and perpetuate it, I, I feel like it's none of my business. I am called to give what they do with it and, and, and what my perception of that is. I don't believe are, are really related to what Christ calls us to. But so if they're back out there the next day, I'll see him again. I, I might just give him money again. And, mm. and, and honestly, I, I think if I were on the streets, I'd want a beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <I> right. <do. laughs> Francisco, thank you. For, thank you for the call. Thanks for that. And, and appreciate the work that you do with homeless people and the way that, that, that uh, you serve them. And the idea of having some blankets in the car, especially as the weather gets cold, that's that's a good idea. 888-52-TALKS is the number. 888-528-2557. How do you handle this when you see people on on the side of the road with a sign? Uh, that's the question this afternoon. Gene is in Redondo Beach. Gene, thanks for joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live. Uh, thanks for calling in. We got you there, Gene. Go ahead. All right. Uh, hi. Uh, usually, if I'm meeting somebody on the, you know, in person while I'm walking or something, I'll spend time with them and, and listen to their issues and problems, and then pray with them, or give them money, depending on how much they they want or need. And I usually do that uh, probably great. I don't know, two or three times at least. Uh, tell me about higher. tell me about some of those interactions. If, if I'm, if, if you're stopping and, and starting a conversation, tell tell me about a conversation you'd have with somebody. How would you start that conversation? Uh, well, usually I just ask, you know, what's, you know, general question, like, you know, what's going on? How can I help you? Okay. And then they'll, and I'm, what I'm doing is I'm observing, uh, you know, a lot of things to see if there are drugs, if they're alcohol, if they're uh, just, you know, desperate for you know, really need food and stuff. Because I've offered uh, to take people to a restaurant and give them meals, which I have done, you know, in the past. But, right. you know, usually I'll find out shortly if they're just, uh, they don't, I mean, I've had people refuse, no, no, I just need the money. You know, mm. so I know usually they're just looking for drug money and stuff. I've had other people who are honest, you know, no, I just need to buy a bottle. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I had one or two times I did contribute to it, which I didn't want to, but I told them about my own family members, uh, you know, uh, relatives who were alcoholics and yeah. had, you know, what happened to them. I mean, they actually died from it all. So I try to make them really think about their habit and what they're doing to themselves. So. Do you find you're dealing with people who, who often have mental health issues, and, and when you ask them a question, um, you get a long, rambling response that that you're kind of trapped into there? Uh, occasionally. Most of the time, no. I don't really okay. run into I mean, I, I see a lot of mental health people, but I don't talk. I haven't, uh, you know, got into where I'm trying to, you know, help them financially or stuff. I just, I'll... I'll uh, I honestly probably don't do much other than try to steer them towards an organization that will help them. You know, yeah. either the county mental health or, or uh, you know, whatever I'm aware of. You know, different, well, I, there's a lot of different uh, 
community agencies out there that will help. And probably but, be good you know, for so us. I probably don't help the mental people, but I usually don't. I mean, there's not too many, in my experiences, I know, as a, a, you know, people on the street, I know they, the perception is there's a lot of mental health problems, but I haven't really seen that much myself physically talking to people. But I think that's and a I, good point that you make, Gene, which is that if, if you're in a situation uh, like, if, if you know in your community where, where there are uh, shelters for homeless, where there are food kitchens available, where there are mental health facilities. I mean, just just having that information in your wallet, in your car, where where you can share it, pass it on. Uh, that that's a good strategy to have. Um, here, I, I want to squeeze in one more call before we take a break. Julie is on the line from Vista. Uh, Julie, thanks for calling in this afternoon on Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. Go ahead, Julie. Oh, hi. Um, I just wanted to comment on the homeless and what I do for them. Yeah, tell me. Um, I don't I don't give money. I'm from Chicago. I used to do that when I was a lot younger and I would go to the train station. Um, we never knew, you know, what they would do with it. This is before I became a believer. Um, I've been out in Southern California for almost 20 years now. I became a believer in 2008. And it's related to something my husband went through and alcohol and some very bad times with us with alcohol. Praise the Lord that a couple years ago he's, you know, now been sober. Wow. So I created something that I call Bottles and Bars. So for me it's very symbolic because I equate a bottle of liquor, you know, bottle with that, and a bar, yeah. like going yeah. to a bar. He never did that, but... Um, just the whole idea of alcohol. I'm like, okay, I want to turn this into something positive. And I, I love giving people food. So I'm like, okay, this works. I'm going to try this with bottles of water and bars, granola bars. So it started out very simple. I would just keep little ziplocks of a bottle of water and a granola bar. And I would just keep them in my color. And when I would come to corners, you know, wherever in my car, I would hand them out. It slowly evolved um, to where I added. Um, small mini New Testament Bibles, you know, you can, hmm. you can find those at the, at the Dollar Tree. And yep. then I have separate bags for men and women. So what I've also done now is kind of evolved. I've gotten some little devotional books specifically for men or specifically for women. And so I make sure I have which gender it is, you know, that I'm handing it out. And I have little track cards. And then I also um, have some stuff for kids. Like I have little advantage cubes that stemmed out of something we did with our church choir on tours going to just, you know, the hardest hit of places um, with our with our kids and them sharing the gospel. So I have those and I have track cards for kids. So what I'm trying to do is, you know, I'm hanging out and I'll see a lot of the same people. And so sometimes I say, I think I may have given one of these to you, um, but I'm like, you know, if you can't use these materials, please pass them on to someone else. And I also include um, resources. Like there's one place that I absolutely love, Solutions for Change, near where I'm at, um, in this side area. Um, where, you know, they'll take people in and they actually try to help them get back on their feet. And so anytime I find resources, I'll put that in as well so that it's, you know, I, I just try to pray because, you know, you don't know what people are doing. I know we shouldn't be judgmental, and it's, it's a little tricky because you don't know what they're going to do with stuff or if they're being honest or not. But every time I just try to pray, I'm like, Lord, if this person is doing something that's not right, convict their heart. If, if they are, you know, help them where they need, you know their story. I don't. Um you know, and I just yeah. pray, even if even if someone drops one of these Bibles or devotionals or something that's encouraging, 
if it ends up on the street somewhere, you never know who's going to pick it up. You know, you That's plant a seed, it might be seven seven people later that something might finally get to the person it was supposed to go to. So, That's a good point, Julie, and, and i, I got to break in here because we got to take a quick time out, but I appreciate your call and appreciate your heart and uh, and the creativity of the, the bottles and bars. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a time out, continue taking your calls after this break. This is Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. We'll be right back. Fourteen minutes before four o'clock, Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine. We're talking this hour about what we do when we see people in need with signs that say hungry and homeless. How do we handle that? Stephanie has been waiting patiently online from Ontario. Stephanie, thanks for calling this afternoon on Southern California Live. Nice to have you on the program. Hi. Um, your question was, what do we do when we see the homeless, right? Yes. I see Jesus. He said you know, to clothe me, to provide food for me. I can remember a recent experience where I was out getting gas. Guy was digging in the trash, pulling out plastic, aluminum, whatever he could find. And I said, hey, I've got some of that stuff in the car. Come and get it. And he came to me, and he grabbed what I had in my car. And then I said to him, hey, are you hungry? And he said, yes. And he, I said, I'm going over to that restaurant over there and I'm going to buy some food what would you like me to get you I'll have a meal with you today we sat down and he just ate that food and I just let him eat in peace and once he'd had the food he looked up at me and was in tears and said it was the first meal he'd had in a while and Mm. I saw Jesus there and I my son was I think I don't know on the streets for a time and I I see every person as my son Mm. as my daughter my cousin spent years on the street being homeless she finally got a place and is safe and home and warm, and I'm so pleased for her. But, you know, these things that we do are, we're emissaries of Jesus. We're just trying to show everyone who needs a hand of love, just to give love and just do what we can. And I told this young man that I had that meal with that asking is what we're supposed to do, and if we're Jesus's people, we will know that he needs and just gives. Mm-hmm. And he admitted he had a little problem with alcohol, and I told him I had those struggles in my life, too, and had been sober for a long time. You know, I told him God can heal this for him, you know, and that all these things could be healed, and I believe that. You, you planted seeds and you reached out in, in Jesus' name. Stephanie, thank you for calling with that and for sharing your story with us. William in Pasadena, thanks for calling this afternoon on Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. What's on your mind, William? Hey, Bob. This is William with the nine kids from Forest Home. How are you? Oh, good. Nice to hear from you this afternoon. <laughs> Listen, just quick. Thank you. I love to hear your voice. Um, so when I, I usually give only to the ladies, uh, that are always working out there. And I got this idea from, uh, Alistair Beck says, you know, that he only gives to people who clean the windows or do something for him. Yeah. So my, my heart goes out for all these single moms that are out there selling flowers. So I do donate 
I know that 85% of the homeless are addicted to um, some kind of addiction that they have. But that's why I hesitate to give. But I'm, hmm. I'm happy to give, especially to the single moms out there that sell flowers. That's all I have to say. Yeah. William, I appreciate you calling. Good to talk to you. Tell your wife when you get home that Marianne and I said hi, and we hope to see you at Forest Home again sometime. Gigi, thank you for calling from L.A. this afternoon. You're on Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. Uh, Thanks for calling, Gigi. Hello. Hi. Thanks for for calling in. Hi. Thank you. Let me get in my car so you can hear me better. Apologize, I'm at my storage. Um, so very quickly, I just wanted to say that um, instead of like trying to assess like what the condition and motive is for the person, the person who's asking for help, I feel it's best to just help. Um, I don't know where it is in the Bible, but um, I believe that it does say, like, give to those who ask. And um, I'm homeless. I sleep in my car. Um, I don't sleep in my car every day um, because I do have a job. So um, I'm at a hotel, like, maybe three days out of the week if I can afford it. But the other days I sleep in my car, and some days, um, you know, the entire week, it, it just all depends on what I can afford. Wow. That being said, I still give. Um, you know, when I see people and they ask me for a change or what have you, um, I'd say like 90% of the time I give. And, um, you know, sometimes it's more than change. Sometimes it's several dollars. And I know for a fact that my giving has open the door for people to give to me when I have needed it, which was just recently because um, some people, the administrators at the church that I used to be a member of, um, they were in acting in the seat of judgment um, from what I could hear Um, And I'm a tither and a giver, faithfully, no matter what my income is, whether it's um, from unemployment insurance, uh, I tithe on the the stimulus, everything. I tithe on everything because I've been taught from um, a very great pastor who who teaches on giving Hmm. and, and tithing. And they looked up my record. They saw, oh, yes, you're a member And they saw that I was a faithful tither and giver and all of that. And I told them, hey, my unemployment is being held up because of some information that they needed. And I had absolutely no income, like, from anywhere. And I didn't even give them an amount. I didn't even ask for an amount because I told them what my situation was as far as, like, sleeping in my car. And, um, yeah, I said, whatever you could help me with, you know, this is my situation. And you know that they did not, they avoided me. And this is a very, I'm not going to say what church it is because I don't believe in blasting people. Yeah. Um, 
especially since I haven't spoken directly to the the pastor at that church. It was the administrator the administrators that work in the office that I dealt with. So I'm pretty sure that the pastor doesn't even know. But um, they... Gigi, let me just jump in here for a second because we've got less than a minute to go. And and I'm, I'm thinking of your situation and thinking um, who can come around you and others who are in this situation and help uh, break the pattern, break the cycle, help you with your need today but help you in a situation where today's need is not tomorrow's need, help you get out of that cycle. This is where I think we've got to, we've got to be alert to what can we do to help with the immediate need, with the, the relief need that somebody has. And I've heard so many great stories from so many of you who've called in this afternoon and, and your heart, your generosity, your concern for your fellow man is honestly, in, in, in this season of the year, it's inspiring and it's encouraging and edifying. And I'm grateful for that. But, but I think we've, we've got to be thinking beyond that. How can we help the cycle be broken in, in the lives of some who are hurting and helpless? How can we help you get out of that pattern? Um, what can we be doing as, as churches, as individual Christians? I think that's, that's part of what we need to be wrestling with. So, so many of you called in this afternoon. Thank you for your calls. Uh, we're wrapping up this hour. Next hour, my old friend Dennis Rainey is going to join me, and we're going to talk about how you can have a happy holiday even if some of your dysfunctional relatives are coming home for, for, for the holiday. We'll talk about that next hour. Stay with us on Southern California Live. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.